You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Good morning. Oh, I'm going to like this. You guys are awake and responsive. Woo! Uh, Like Josh said, my name is Kyle. I serve as the lead pastor over at the Story Church, which is uh, a sister church to New Life in the Zero Collective. And so I'm excited to be here uh, this morning. And uh, what Josh said was uh, truthful. Um, I'm, I'm competitive. Um, but I'm also the manager of our Tuesday night team, and so Josh might be riding the bench this coming week. Um, <clears throat> we'll see how that goes. Um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, as I was just thinking about today and, and kind of like where to go today and, and with this series, it was one of those things as I was writing this, it was almost the anticipating that fall was going to be in full swing, right? We're in September, and yesterday it was 80-some degrees, like, I tried to take my kids to a splash pad yesterday at Millennium Park, but it was already closed, and it was 80-some degrees out. And so, as I was thinking about this, fall should be in full swing, right? Fall should be in full swing. It should be pumpkin spice everything right now. Obi-Wan Kenobi outfit should be out, you know, the brown boots, black yoga pants, the vet. You know what I'm saying? Josh loves that outfit. Um, <clears throat> And, and there's even a lot of, like, my friends that are preparing even to not see their significant others for significant time because they're out in the woods chasing certain animals, right? Fall is in, supposed to be in full swing. And one of the favorite things that I used to do when I was a youth pastor here that uh, we used to take our, our students sometimes, we'd go out to these corn mazes, New Salem corn maze right down the road, Right? And it was nothing sound like a better idea as a youth pastor to go to a corn maze with teenagers in eight foot high corn and say, hey, we'll just meet back here once you get out, right? Because as part of that, it was like, okay, make sure you leave with the same amount of students that you came with unless their parents tried to bribe you off, right? Hey, just let them sleep in the corn maze for a night. That might help me out. But I remember going to these things, the corn mazes, and trying to wander through them and try to figure out my way and do it as quickly as possible. So that would mean sometimes that I was uh, overcompetitive and I'd try to take a shortcut. And they have paths that you're supposed to follow. But for me, I decided I'm just going to try to run straight through the corn and hopefully come out the other end, Right? And as I'm emerging through the walls of the corn, people are creeped out. They're like, this isn't supposed to be one of those where dudes pop out of the corn. What is this short little dude doing? And I'm like, I don't know either. I'm lost. Um, But it's a great time, right? Like nothing sounds more fun than going to a corn maze and hoping to come out the other side alive. Can I just maybe submit to us today that maybe for most of us, we're wandering around in a maze in our lives? Maybe for some of us, including myself, that we've found ourselves trying to take a shortcut. Try to run right through the wall that is right ahead of us. 
to be stopped by another dead end, another failed attempt at making it through, another opportunity where we thought we were coming out at the end, we thought we were going to make it, finally we have made it out, but only to discover that we're actually just right back where we began. Maybe just maybe we're wandering out in a maze today. And you're looking for the path, you're looking for the right path to end up where you have always been designed and desired to end up, in the presence of the Father. Can I submit to you today, maybe to all of us, that we are in this maze, and I do have some good news. The path has been made clear to us. We don't have to try and go through the walls of the corn. We don't have to try and go through the shortcuts of the day. We don't have to try the latest, newest, greatest flavor of the week of whatever it might be, that we have a path to get to the presence of the Father. That Christ created the path to the presence of the Father. And we don't have to create it anymore. Christ created the path. But along the way, let's just call it what it is, we might lose our path. We might lose our, our, our footing. We might even get distracted. I have ADHD. I get distracted very easily. We might get distracted and we may just have to recenter and come back to the path that Christ has created to get back to the presence of the Father. As I was sitting with Brad earlier this week and we were talking about this, uh, this sermon and where to go, I, I remember thinking back of what Brad taught on. How, how last week we talked about there was a deep need that Moses understood. A deep need for God's people to have an intimate relationship with him. There's a deep need, a deep desire to intimately and authentically connect with God. And so Moses set up the tent of meeting. It's a, it's a need that we still have today, am I right? We have a deep need, an intimate need that we want to connect personally and authentically with God the Father. It's a need that we face each and every day to have a radical and real encounter with God. And after all that God had done, after everything that God had done, parting the seas, all the plagues, everything that the Israelites saw God do, what did they end up doing? They started to worship a golden calf. They doubted, they struggled. We are not much off from that either. They still had a great need to intimately meet with him, but yet their hearts were turned and distracted. See, what happens after that is Moses sets up the tent of meeting, and then we get this moment in Exodus 29 that we're going to turn to, where God puts this great thing, this great new plan out ahead of us, out ahead of his people. Exodus 29, this is what it says, 44 through 46. Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar. And I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. And then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. It's this awesome moment where God, right here, consecrates his tabernacle. Consecrate means to set apart, to set it as sacred. And so here's this moment where God 
uses the tabernacle, consecrates it as sacred. And in the moment of doing this, he also consecrates Aaron and his sons as his priests to set them apart as sacred. Here's what's interesting to me is that everything that Aaron could have done, the ministry could have looked really good, right? Church could have been thriving. People could have been giving. Everybody could have been coming to this place, this thing. But yet Aaron still could have failed if his ministry was not for God. The ministry to the people may be successful, but if ministry to the Lord fails, then their ministry will fail. Can I just share that there's a reality that weighs on me, and I know even for Brad as pastors that this is a true reality, that all of this can look good on the outside. Brad talked about this last week, right? That if numbers are going up, that if giving is going up and everything is going up, but if we lose sight of the Holy Spirit and God's working, then we have missed the mark. I remember hearing a story about that. Uh, this interview where they were talking to this pastor and everything was going great in his church. Everything looked great on the outside. And he was really, really raw. And they said, like, how is this going? How is everything going? And the reality is, is he even shared, he's like, it may look great on the outside, but there's also a truth in that weeds grow too. It may look green, but like maybe my grass at my house right now is not so much grass. I have a lot of weeds that are growing at my house. My grass looks green, but it's not grass, it's weeds. Can I just ask what happens if we are living in a culture and society that celebrates the greenness rather than the health of the actual plant that we are producing? Brad spoke about even last week here that if this church, if God's church, isn't driven by his Holy Spirit, driven by a raw, authentic pursuit of God in his presence. He asked that God would just shake the church to the core. Shake the church to the core. I think that as I'm reading this and as I'm digging into this series in Exodus that we're walking through, this idea of make space is something that we have not done all that great at, been all that great at. That maybe we've even lost sight of what that really means. Because when he says that, then they will know that I am the Lord, their God. Can you imagine what that, that could mean? In, in Leviticus, it says that when this happens, what essentially happened was God came down and consumed the altar and burnt it with all the fats, a burnt offering for him. And it says his glory in the presence of God shone among them. Can you imagine standing there in the emotions of seeing God's glory and presence of the almighty God among other people? Can you imagine the radiance that would be emitted in that moment? Can you just stand there for a moment and try to fathom the glory of God shining among you. And I love that God ends this with even a promise in Exodus. He, he does. I'm going to live among the people. Live among the people. It's a promise. He tells us that, that I will dwell among them. What does that mean? I want a relationship. Does anybody want an authentic, deep, intimate relationship with Jesus? Is that not something that we deeply, intimately crave each and every day of our lives? To have a relationship with God. 
And as we worship God, it's this worship-filled relationship. And it's both the instrument and the fruit of the relationship with him. It's the instrument. As we worship him, we grow closer and closer and more intimate and intimate with him. But as we worship him, we also start to see the fruit of that relationship. His glory, his presence, his love, his mercy and grace being poured out upon the the tabernacle, the church and his people each and every day. And this is where it gets good. See, Exodus is great, but there's a lot of questions essentially and even in Christianity, where some people would say, well, that's the Old Testament. We don't really need that, right? It doesn't matter anymore. But can we understand that this moment, this is the foreshadow of even Jesus to come, John chapter one, right? Where God comes and puts on flesh and bones. The the message translation says, and he put on flesh and bones and moved into the neighborhood. The actual Greek translation says that Jesus came and he tabernacled among us. He tabernacled among us. Broken, messed up, tore up from the floor at people. He came and he tabernacled among us. He fulfilled the promise of the Father to dwell with his people, to physically be present, have a deep, intimate relationship and when you think about the tabernacle, you have to understand that there's only one entrance. This is what the tabernacle would have looked like. This is obviously a more modern um, addition. They didn't have color photos back then. Um, but some of you guys got that. Others of you, it'll hit in like 30 seconds. But this is the tabernacle here. And as you look at it, what's interesting is this is a representation of Christ even. There's only one entrance into this place. You can only get into it and enter into it in one way. There's one entrance. This is exactly what Jesus said, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus not only tabernacled among us, he exactly modeled this. He is the only way into the presence of the Father. And when entering this tent, the tabernacle, you'd immediately be faced with some things. The first thing that you would be faced with is the bronze altar. The bronze altar. And this altar stood as a place of sacrifice. Before you are walking into the presence of God, you are reminded by this altar that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Woo! Before you can walk into the presence, there has to be a price that is paid on the altar, a shedding of the blood. And you are reminded before you walk into the presence that there's a price to be paid. And for us today, that price has already been paid. Can I get somebody give me an amen there? Come on, somebody. That the lamb slain on the bronze altar foreshadowed the death of the lamb of God on the cross. That we don't have to come with our perfect lambs, goats, or doves anymore. That the Lamb of God is no no longer uh, just wandering around, but he is here. He has paid the price. He paid it in full, and we don't have to anymore. That Christ created the path to the presence of the Father once and for all. Can I just say that we don't come into the presence of the Father through how much money we have in the bank account? We don't walk into the presence of the Father with identifying with a political party over a child of the one true God. We, don't, we certainly can't come into the presence of the Father 
through any means of ourselves, self-idolatry, self-worth, or anything like that. The only way that we come into the presence of the Father is through the cross, the path that Christ created. And everything in this early tabernacle pointed to Jesus. Everything. The bronze altar, we've already talked about that. This is what it would look like. The bronze altar. This points to the cross, the altar that Christ would be crucified on. You also would walk in and see the water laver, which would point to the baptism. This is obviously not a full bathtub. It's not that you have to fully be clean. It's a wash your hands, wash your, wash your feet. This is the symbol of baptism. You also would go and you'd see the golden lampstand, or sorry, the bread of life. This is the show bread. Jesus is the bread of life. That when you eat of him, you will, have, you will be fully quenched of your thirst and your hunger. The golden lampstand that Jesus is the light of the world, the altar of incense that the worship of God's people would be lifting in a fragrant offering to God the Father. Everything in the early tabernacle pointed directly to God and Jesus in flesh when he tabernacled among us. We have to understand that the tabernacle was never created for God. Brian said this last week, and it was such a poignant and just real statement. The tabernacle was never created for God. It was created for his people to experience and build their lives around him and his presence. The tabernacle was not created for God. It was created for his people to build their lives around his presence, that everything would happen around him, that he would be the center of it all. Have we built our lives around the tabernacle of Christ or the tabernacle of ourselves? Choosing to attach ourselves to anything besides Christ and his path is choosing to take a cheap shortcut that's going to lead to nowhere. We're surrounded by a culture. <laughs> it's not a surprise to you. It's not a surprise to me, right? We're surrounded by a culture and a world that offers us quick shortcuts and leads us nowhere fast. We're surrounded by a culture that is telling you, well, just make, make your religion your God and everything will play out okay. We're surrounded by a culture that says the, the shortcut of, well, worship the things of this place. Worship the things of this world. Worship the things, the, the material thing, even the culture, and everything will work out. We're surrounded by a culture that says, well, your truth can be whatever you want it to be. Just worship that, and you'll get there someday. You'll figure it out along the way, maybe. We're surrounded by a culture that says, attach yourself to anything and everything besides the path and the cross of Christ. And when we, we take those shortcuts and we get to a place where we hit a wall and we can't go through anymore. And then we simply ask ourselves like, God, what, where are you? What's going on? We wonder why, but all along the way, he said, I'm right here. I am the path. I am the only way, the, the truth and the life. Why have you chosen any other path? Why have you chosen any other path? When we choose to follow the shortcuts of this life, we may never experience the fullness, the fullness that Christ offers us in the presence of the Father. 
I don't know about you, but at the end of my day, I want the fullness of God the Father. I want to see it all. I've got a lot of questions and curiosities for him. I want, I want to know everything. I want to see everything. I don't want just glimpses and pieces and small parts. I want it all. I want to see the full radiance, the full glory, the full everything of God. And so I, I want to make sure I'm not trying to attach myself to any other shortcuts. Because when I want to be at the end of it all, I want everything he has to offer. And, and I love what the author of Hebrews says. He says that they say this in the Hebrews 9, 11 through 15. So Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands. It's not a part of this created world. It's with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. Until, or under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls in the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Oh, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for the power of the eternal spirit Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people. All who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. Christ died to set them free from the penalty of their sins they have committed under the first covenant. He became the high priest of all high priests. He paid the price that nobody could. He paid the debt that was far too great for flesh and blood, our flesh or our blood, to even bear. So that we can experience the full presence and glory of God the Father through him. That through this one true path, the path of Christ, we experience the fullness and goodness of the presence of the Father. Through his sacrifice and his blood, we are healed. Through him being the high priest, all good things can come. Christ created the path to the presence of the Father. There's no other way, there's no other place that we can go that we have access besides through Christ. He created the path. He created the way to the presence of the Father to have an intimate, true, and radical, authentic relationship with God. What's been intriguing for me is this, is that there's a lot of times in, in church worlds that we talk about God a lot, and I think there's a lot of people who want to know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. We know about him, but we don't intimately know him. We are seeking information rather than transformation. He came to seek, though. Jesus came to seek true transformation. He didn't just come to give more information about himself. There's a whole entire book about that, prophecies about that. He said, you have the information. How about we put it into play here? How about we start doing what we're called to do? Let's start living how we're called to live. Can I just ask, are we seeking to walk in his path and find transformation? Are we just looking for more information today? I can give you information. Brad can give you information. 
But if you don't want transformation, that information is just always going to stay as information. Put into a file, left alone until next week Sunday. Are you seeking radical transformation in the presence in the name of the Holy God? Because there's a choice of what path you want to follow each and every day. I know I'm a guest preacher here. I get it. But I love, I love the heart of your leadership. I love the heart of Brad and his desire and his pursuit to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in Wayland, Michigan. I love that there's a burden on his heart that he wants to chase after God's presence in this area. Can I just say that it's contagious when we choose the path of Christ? Can I just say that there is that as a church, if we choose to be after him in his presence, that things are going to radically move. That things are going to start to look different and talk different and shape out differently. That transformation comes from an internal revelation and it's, and it's looking like and it moves into a place where it's external actions. It happens internally for each and every one of us and then we start to live externally differently. I don't know about you, but I want to chase that path with everything inside of me. Can I just ask, like, what would it look like for churches, God's church? Maybe it's the Zero Collective, New Life, the Story, Center, and Frontline. What would it look like when people come to a Zero Collective church that they encounter the raw, real, authentic God? That when they leave, they say, man, something is different there. And the only answer, the only explanation is there's a raw, real, authentic Holy Spirit movement happening. Do you understand that when you walk in these doors, there is a, there is a thickness of the presence of the Holy Spirit? Woo! Can we just chase after that in this maze of life together? Can we chase after his presence? What path are we choosing to walk in today? Are we running into the entrance, the only entrance? into the presence of God? Are we running into Christ? Are we running his path? For some of us, that path might look somewhat differently even today. For some of us, that path may be that we want to experience a raw and authentic relationship with Jesus, but you don't know where to go of who to walk the path with. Josh talked about life groups. Can I just share that, like the life group that my wife and I were a part of at New Life in our early years? was radically transformational. We're still, you know, in touch a little bit with the people who are a part of that. I get to stand here and um, the life group, Tim and Pam are here. They did a radical thing in walking with us in our early years of marriage, early years of ministry, early years of just being in this place together. Maybe for some of us, we need to find a community that can walk hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder with us as we pursue God. For others of us, maybe it's taking the step to actually grab that card and bring it to a neighbor this week. We talk about as pastors, right? Go invite someone. This is a great weekend to do that. Can I just say, some of us, we take the card and then we throw it in the dumpster on the way out. Just calling it what it is. What if we actually took that card and invited someone who radically needs to have an authentic relationship and encounter with Jesus this week? 
The majority of people who want and are invited to church, it's because of a personal invite. It's not a Facebook ad. It's not a Facebook event. It's because you took a card and you walked up to a neighbor and said, I want you to join me. I'll save you a seat. Maybe that's some of us. Maybe there's other of us that maybe you are invited here today. This is your first time. And you're looking at me like, wow, this dude had way too much Red Bull this morning. Can I just say, though, that next week is a great opportunity for you to come back. It's a great opportunity for you to come back and experience the living God once again. And I promise you, I promise you next week, you're going to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit again. You're going to hear the message of the gospel again. You're going to hear that Christ lived and died and rose again for your sins and his spirit is dwelling among us so that we can experience the power and the presence of the Holy God among us today. And maybe for some of us that we walked in here today and we felt like all hope was lost. Your world was turned upside down. You feel broken, defeated, wandering, and hopeless. There's plenty of people here that would love to pray with you today. That would love to just pray for you and with you. That God would continue to meet you exactly where you are at. The question is simple. What path are you choosing? What path are you choosing? I'd love to just pray for us as we continue to worship this morning. Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, you are moving, you are speaking, you are doing something new. And so, God, I ask that as you rest your spirit upon this place, upon these people, Lord, that you would move us to a place where we would continue to walk in your presence and your path that we would hold on to your son's hand, that you would walk us into your presence in a deep and intimate way, Lord. I say you would continue to just grow us, Father. Grow us in your love, grow us in your grace and your mercy, Lord. That you would continue to just shape us exactly how you desire, Lord. May our prayer truly be that your kingdom come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Tune our ears and our hearts and our minds and our spirits to your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us walk in your path that you have provided for us. And God, we, re- we repent of the ways and the shortcuts that we've tried to get ahead in life. We repent of those things, Lord, and we ask that you would just allow us to cling on to you, hold on to you in everything that we do, Lord. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you worship and honor. And we pray this in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus the one who lived and died and rose again and left his spirit for us so that we can intimately know you each and every day, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.